This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Today we're continuing our latest series we've been in called Saved. Throughout this series, we've been exploring the book of Ephesians together, verse by verse, one chapter at a time, and looking at what it means to live a saved life, a life that is fully loved, graced, reconciled, unified, made alive, raised up, and seated together with Christ in heavenly places. As we saw last week, God doesn't want you to live in a manner inconsistent with your new life. God wants you to cast off the old like an old garment and to put on the new. Today we're going to talk about how to do that as we learn to walk in love, walk in the light, and walk by the Spirit's power. Did you catch all three of those? Love, light, and power. Church, God wants your life and mine to be so full of his love and his light and his power that people all around us can't help but be impacted by it. And that's what we're after today. If you have your Bibles with you, go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I'll be reading out of the ESV. So let's jump right in, beginning with verses 1 and 2. And here's what it says. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So picking right up from where we ended last week, Paul is coming to us again to emphasize that there's a way that we are called to live and walk in this world. And he says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Last week in chapter 4, verse 17, he says that we must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And in this opening verse here in chapter 5, he's providing us another reason why. Because we're no longer outsiders, we're no longer people without a covenant, we're no longer alienated and cut off from the promises of God, We are God's beloved children. Church, we are the children of God. That's who you are. John chapter 1 verse 12 in the ESV says it this way. But to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus here, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Is it true that all people have been made in the image and likeness of God? Absolutely, yes. But is it true that all people are his children? Well, no. The text is clear here. Only those who receive Jesus, who believe in the name of Jesus, can rightfully become God's children. And I'm sure you've probably heard people all over social media or in your world say well-meaning things like, well, why can't we all just get along? Aren't we all God's kids? But the truth is, actually, we're not. Not everyone has been given that right. Some translations here say power, because not everyone receives and believes in Jesus. Make no mistake, friends, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. As I've said before, I think there's many ways to Jesus, but there's only one way to God, and that's through him. And that's why we're so passionate about Jesus. That's why you're going to hear this preacher talk a lot about Jesus, because apart from a relationship with Jesus, as we saw last week, you and I can do nothing, and our life is reduced to nothingness. That seems harsh or exclusive to you. That's only because you don't know how good Jesus actually is yet. And that's the invitation today. It's to come to Jesus, to behold him and to believe in his name so that you can be given the right and the authority and the power to become a child of God. And you know what children are really good at? Imitating others. 
Parents, I'm sure you can relate to this illustration, but my children are great at imitating people and things. When they were younger, they would copy or imitate me and what I would say and do all the time. If I made a funny face, they would make a funny face. If I sing out loud and danced around the house, they would sing out loud and dance around the house as well. It wasn't until they got a little bit older that they started to decide that dad was no longer cool. But even then, I would find them imitating certain comedians on YouTube or other characters from different movies that they watched. Why? Because we were all created to imitate something to reflect or mirror the image and likeness of someone. The real question is, who? I wonder who you're imitating right now in your life. I wonder what you're reflecting to the world around you. Paul says, be imitators of God as beloved children of God. The truth is this, if you know you're loved by God, then you're going to follow him. And if you follow God, then you're going to imitate him. But if you don't know that you're loved by God, then you're going to only follow what you see out in the world. And if you only follow what you see out in the world, then you're going to only imitate the world. And then it shouldn't come as a surprise to you or me when you're left feeling even more empty and even broken inside because this is not the way that God intended it for us. And I don't believe it has to be this way for you. As we see here in verse 2, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Because Christ loved us, he gave himself up for us. Jesus himself said, no man can take my life. I lay it down on my own accord. So Jesus chose you and he did so in love. And as a result of his choosing you in love, he also chose to give himself up for you by suffering an agonizing death on that cross. Friends, nobody forced him to do that. Jesus did so willingly on his own accord. He became our most fragrant offering and pleasing sacrifice to God out of his own desire to love us. And that's what it all boils down to, love. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. People of God, the way we experience this everlasting life begins when we not only receive his love, but when we learn how to walk in it. Paul says that because of all this, we too can walk in love. My first key point for us today is simply this, walk in love. Just like Jesus had a choice to love us and to give his life up for us, we too have a choice to love others. After all, that is the greatest commandment of all, isn't it? That we would love God and love people. When you and I choose to walk in love, we put away the old way of doing life that Paul says is corrupted and deceitful and hardened and calloused, and we put on the new, resulting in us walking in love. That means we choose to forgive and reconcile because Christ chose to forgive us and reconcile us to the Father. It means that we love people that society says are unlovable because Christ also loved us. Maybe you're watching this today or listening online and you've been holding on to your resentment and anger because you think that makes you powerful or that it gives you the upper hand over somebody that hurts you. It doesn't. Maybe you've been unable to forgive that person who abused you because you think to forgive them is to excuse what they did. But it doesn't. Forgiving and loving others is not excusing the way they treat you. It's appealing to a new way of being human, 
a new way of flourishing where you're not being held captive or prisoner to what's been done to you. It's you becoming free, you becoming healed, you releasing that hurt and that pain over to God who can actually deal with it more than you ever could on your own. Friends, God doesn't want you to live a toxic or a cancerous life, but you've got to make a choice to walk in love. He can't force you to do that in the same way that he can't force you to go free, but he has opened up the door to you and he's inviting you right now to walk out into the light. Verses three through five. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So guess what doesn't belong in your walk anymore? Paul gives us here a great list to work from. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. So just in case you weren't sure about those behaviors and actions, yeah, God says, don't do that anymore. In fact, there shouldn't even be a hint of those things among you or within the church Instead of those things, there should be thanksgiving. It's interesting to me that the remedy for sexual immorality or the contrast to it or impurity or covetousness and idolatry is not a new program. It's not another ministry. It's not AA or Celebrate Recovery or even rehab, as great as all those things are. You know what it is? It's thanksgiving. It's a life of thankfulness and gratitude for what you've been given. And how do I know this? Well, Because when you're truly thankful for what God has given you, you don't need to cheat on your spouse. You don't have to go looking for your sexual fulfillment elsewhere or in the arms of other or multiple lovers. When you're truly grateful for what God's already done for you and given you, you won't covet things that you don't have. And you won't be so easily enticed into filthiness or even foolish talk. Why? Because his grace is more than sufficient for you. His gifts are more than enough for you. And the life that he's calling you to is truly better than the life that he's asking you to leave behind. And that's the truth. Even though our culture says otherwise, God says instead, let there be thanksgiving. Let your life overflow with thanks. One of the best ways to stay focused on the things of God is to give thanks. It's to build into your life a daily practice of telling God, what you're thankful for. It's becoming a thankful person. When you do that, it's gonna be hard for the enemy or the world to convince you to start shopping in the old restricted section if you catch my drift, amen? And if that is not enough to convince us, he says here in verse five, everyone who does these things has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So let me put it for you real simply. You wanna inherit the life and kingdom of God? You want all that God has for you? Practice the life and kingdom of God. Right now, put off the old and put on the new. Walk in love and thanksgiving and watch how his righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit abounds within your life. Church, there is no future for you in looking backwards. Sometimes we find ourselves wrestling with old behaviors and ways of thinking because we haven't truly closed the door on those things yet. We're still flirting with and entertaining old thoughts. And as a result, we're leaving an open door for the enemy to come in and tempt us. Know this, God will give you grace and God will give you strength to persevere. 
because he loves you. He wants you to win in this arena more than you do. He wants you to walk in love more than you do. And he wants your life to overflow with thanksgiving more than you do because, once again, he cares for you. And get this, he actually trusts you as well. God actually trusts you more than you think he does. So don't let the voice of condemnation or shame bring you down. Know that God believes in you more than you actually believe in him. How about that? So I want to speak to anyone out there today still wrestling with sexual addiction or immorality or covetousness or idolatry today. I pray that your life would abound with thanksgiving, that you would see how much God loves you and see that he's already provided you a way out. Rather than looking backwards, I pray that you would look forwards to the author and perfecter of your faith. That's right, King Jesus himself, who is calling you into a new and beautiful life of surrender. And may you be filled with the power of his spirit as you look to him. I want to declare that over your life today in Jesus' name. Picking back up with the text, verses 6 through 10, it says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So God wants you to be able to walk in love. That's our first point today. And here we discover that he wants you to walk in the light. Our next key point for us today is this. Walk in the light. He says, don't partner with the world and those who still act out disobediently, who are storing up wrath for themselves, but instead, as light in the Lord, walk as children of light. He calls us first and foremost children of God, and now he calls us children of light. Church, this is your identity and true calling, to be a people of light, a people that know how to turn on the lights wherever they go. And that's what God is calling us to right now in this hour, I firmly believe it, to be the ones that go around turning on the lights for those that are still lost in darkness. Years ago, when Candice and I began to pray into the idea of returning to Utah to start a life-giving church here, the Lord gave Candice a pretty powerful dream. In the dream, she found herself running out into a dark forest, declaring the words and praises of God. And as she did so, light began to shoot forth to fill the darkness and it shone forth in brilliant array and it was really powerful. Immediately God spoke to us from the book of Isaiah with a prophetic word to arise and shine. And I want you to listen to the language here in Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. For those of you that have been with us a while now, you know that this has become a foundational passage of Scripture for us, and it informs the vision that God gave us in coming to Salt Lake City, that if we would as his people, arise and shine, we would see the glory of God like never before. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, you, my friend, are light in the Lord. Jesus said it this way, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. And if God has made you to be a light, then shine. 
Church, it's time to arise and shine his light. And that begins when you and I decide to walk in the light. Walking in the light means that we're committed to living a transparent life. It means that we live honestly and openly. We don't hide and we don't cover up. But isn't that the temptation to cover up and to hide so that people don't really see what's really going on in our lives? Because heaven forbid, if people see that we're not perfect, won't they reject us? And that's the fear, isn't it? To be rejected or to face rejection. But here's what I know about Jesus. He invites us to bring our skeletons out of the closet and to dance at the party. Why? Because there's nothing hidden that he doesn't already see. There's nothing that God is going to be shocked by or surprised with because he sees all things. Church, ultimately that's Ultimately, that means there's nothing hidden that's not going to be revealed. And I think that's what's going on with COVID-19 right now. That's what it's doing for a lot of us right now. It's revealing things that have remained hidden for too long. Maybe that's your relationships or areas of hidden sin or fears that have never been exposed before. And God's exposing them because it's in the light that they can actually be healed. And that's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for us. Here's what I know about light. Light not only exposes, it heals. Isn't it funny how direct sunlight is said to be the cure for viruses and diseases and depression and all sorts of things? It's almost as if God designed light to heal things that we tend to keep hidden. It's almost as if God might actually know what he's doing. Imagine that. James chapter 5, verse 16 in the NLT says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The reason we confess things and bring them out into the light is not so that we can feel judged or made to feel less than or a failure. No, it's so that we can experience true healing and peace. When you confess your sins to others and pray for each other, it provides God an avenue in your life to bring greater healing and restoration. And it brings greater accountability as well, which is something that we could all use more of. Amen? Friends, walking in the light is what you and I are called to be about. Verses 11 through 14 go on to emphasize this very well. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, it says here, but instead expose them. Friends, when God says take no part, he means no part. Not some part, not a few parts, no part. And I don't know about you, but I'm really convicted about this right now because I think we do this in subtle ways, in small ways that we're often even unaware of, like when we consume music or entertainment that depicts things that Christ died to set us free from. We have been so desensitized within our culture for so long uh, toward things like sex and death and destruction. And it's often hard to recognize that we're taking part in it in the manner that we not only entertain ourselves with it, but actually begin to justify doing so and we live out those thoughts. God says, These kinds of things or works won't produce any fruit in your life. So instead of enjoying them, expose them for what they really are, unfruitful, futile, like we talked about last week. And they're works of darkness. Verse 12 says, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that these people do in secret. Not only are the deeds of darkness fruitless, they're shameful. And I'll say this, shameful things will always bring forth, you guessed it, shame. And that's not what God wants for you, and that's not what he wants for us. He doesn't want us to walk in shame. So 
Turn yourself, he says, from having anything to do with these unfruitful and shameful works of darkness. And that's what they are. And that could also include having a fascination with things like horror or the macabre or demons or new age or witchcraft. Don't play around with those things. Don't mess with those things. They're not cute. They're not silly. Come on, they're destructive and they will harm you and rob you of the life that God wants for you. Verse 13, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. As we've been talking about walking in the light, we know that anything that is exposed by the light will become visible to us. And it's interesting to me that within this same breath here, Paul quotes this scripture in verse 14. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. I said it before, and I'll say it again. Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. Our problem, according to the scriptures, is not just that we are bad people who sometimes do bad things. Our problem is that we're spiritually dead and we need his spiritual resurrection life. We need the light of Christ to shine upon us and bring us to life again. And that includes all of our fascinations and proclivities and habits. It includes our entire life. We need Christ to shine on it. So I declare that over you today that you would wake up. Church, it's time to stop sleeping at the wheel. It's time to arise and shine. And as you do so, I pray that you would feel Christ shining on you and all around you and that his glory would fill you wherever you are right now in Jesus' name. So God wants you to walk in love and he wants you to walk in the light. And our third and final key point today, he wants you to walk in the power of the spirit. Verses 15 through 18. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Walking in the power of the Spirit begins when you and I start learning how to discern what is wise and unwise. It involves us learning how to make the best use of our time and understanding what God's will is for our life. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. Don't be so concerned about other people. Be concerned about yourself. In other words, be intentional about you and be intentional about seeking out wisdom for your life instead of being foolish. Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you fear God, you honor what he's given you. You honor the time that he's given you on this earth. You honor the gifts that he's given you. And that would include wisdom and knowledge and understanding because all of those things come from him. And here's the really cool part about God. He always gives to those who ask. So if you need wisdom and discernment in your life right now, ask for it. And if you want him to show his will for your life, ask him for it. You might actually be surprised by what he says and does. Remember, God never hides valuable things from us. He hides them for us. The things in life that are truly valuable and costly are the things that he wants us to come to him for and discover in him. And then in verse 18, don't get drunk on wine. That's debauchery. That's foolishness. But be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on the world's wine, but get drunk on the new wine. Come on, somebody. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He wants your life to be ridiculously intoxicated with and full of his Spirit. And then he tells us how to do that. Verses 19 through 20. 
Sometimes they include 21, so I'll read that here as well. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We address each other through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's the language of the Spirit. We sing and make melody with our hearts. That's how we worship the Lord. We give thanks always, right? We become people that are thankful. And we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you want more of the Holy Spirit's power in your life? Well, I'm glad you asked. Start singing. Start making melody with your heart. Even if you have one of those voices that only Jesus loves. Come on. Start giving thanks in all things and start putting other people's needs first. Start submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You'll be amazed how full of God's spirit your life will become. Friends, this is the way that we walk. This is how we walk in the power of the spirit. And beloved, this is what Jesus wants for us, to walk in love, to walk in the light, and to walk in the power of his Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been watching or listening to this message and that all sounds really good to you, but you don't know Jesus. Well, I want to change that. I want to give you the opportunity right now to get to know him and to be filled with his Holy Spirit today. And I believe that begins with you saying yes to him. The good news, as I always like to say, is that he's already said yes to you and he's inviting you right now to pray this prayer with me. Would you pray this? It goes like this. Jesus, Savior, save me from myself. Save me from the things that have kept me bound. I believe and confess that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on that cross for me and that, God, you raised Jesus to life again. I ask that you would now give me a new life of freedom and hope in you. Come fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit and make all things new in Jesus' name. And if you just prayed that prayer with us, we want to know about your decision. For those that just said yes to Jesus for the first time, we want to say welcome to the family, welcome to the party, and we'd love to help you get connected either here at Courageous Church or wherever you might be watching from. Or maybe you recommitted your life to Christ today. Either way, we'd love to help you. And here's how. You can go to CourageousChurch.com to fill out a digital connect card. This will help our team know how to best follow up with you and pray for you in the days ahead. We also want to come alongside you as you begin your new faith journey by sending you first a Bible and helping you take some next steps. For those of you that are here local, uh, we are, have just started gathering again at City Hall Park in Holiday. We did that last weekend. And we'll be gathering there again this Sunday at 10 a.m. We'd love for you to come out and join us. We also recently kicked off prayer nights on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. where we come together as a church to pray for our families, our city, our nation, and our leaders. And if there's ever a time for us to come together and pray, it's right now. Anybody feel me on that? So you'll definitely want to come join us for that if you can. As always, if Courageous Church is your home church, we want to remind you to honor God with your giving. Your generosity allows us to do what we do to reach many with the hope, healing, courage, and life of God. It allows us to advance God's good mission for the people of Salt Lake City, the Mountain West, and beyond. And if you want to be a part of what God is doing with this church to make a big difference, you can use one of the links that we've posted right there in the comments section, or just head on over to CourageousChurch.com slash giving to give online. We want you to know this. We love you, and God loves you. He is for you, and we are praying for you. You are God's masterpiece. You are his best. Hey, if God's for you, who can be against you? So remember, be strong and be courageous. And we'll see you soon. 
Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.